listeners, welcome back to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, the Roswell 1999 edition. I'm one of your co-hosts, Emily, and I should be... Man, what should I be doing? Probably making lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hello, I'm your other co-host, Megan, and I should be vacuuming. But instead... Instead... We're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. No, you ruined it. We're making a podcast. <laughs> you made such a fuss about that the last time we did this. Uh, April Fools. <laughs> April Fools. Um, so, listeners, the last time that Meg and I sat down to record was last night. <laughs> and between last night and this morning, Meg, what has happened to you? nothing happened (laughs) i slightly misgaged the audience of a drawing i made i was Uh just sitting i was just sitting at my desk drawing for work and then i thought kermit the flog that's funny so like i looked up a cat of nine tails design and i drew a a kermit themed little flail little whip and I posted on mine being like, this is funny, D&D weapon, that sort of stuff. And you uh-huh. guys, I was so caught up in my dreams of immense Muppet violence <laughs> that I forgot the internet is obsessed with sex. <laughs> so everyone thinks... You were so obsessed with the thought that could you do it, you didn't think should you do it. So everyone thinks I've got a Muppet kink now. <laughs> It's fine. It's just I'm getting I'm getting real giggles from some of these comments. Uh, my very favorite one is it's not that easy bleeding green. <laughs> um, I will tell you the one that has cursed me forever. Uh huh. And because in this design, you know, there's the different different I don't know colors, hands, no the lines, and there's like the little. You put little Kermit hands on the end of all of the lines. And someone goes, are they sticky or normal? And I just went, bleh. They're normal. It's very ineffectual. (laughs) It's all made of felt. And it makes a noise kind of like. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, no, she posted it up for anybody to see (laughs) on the internet. (laughs) Just out there. No sense of shame. No sense of well, decency. Now it's crossed over into Emily's internet circle. <laughs> so I am a member of a, a Discord of a adult writer Discord, and I put it in the not safe for work section of Why? it. Why, <laughs> <laughs> Megan? All answers point to why. Not an inherently sexual drawing. You guys, it's supposed to be about violence. You guys are all just masochists. (laughs) Anyway, that's where I put it. Just to be safe, we'll say that. And this is a Discord where, like, I don't personally know anyone in the Discord. It's just a bunch of anonymous online friends who enjoy this author's writing. And so I put it in there. I'm just like, oh, my sister has an odd sense of humor. And Meg, you had put your your handle, your third child art handle on it. And so I, I posted it. And about an hour ago, 
I go back and check and someone goes, this is your sister? I love all of her work. And at first I'm just like, oh, I got to tell Megan about this. And then my second thought was, the crossover is happening. (laughs) Now this is your fault for revealing, (laughs) identifying personal information about yourself on the internet. I did. I brought it on myself. I get it. It's fine. Anyway, I've seen a couple comments of people who make adult toys say that they would like to craft Kermit the Flog. And if they do, I'm going to buy one. Internet search history bedamned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, but Uh, the more important thing that's happened in my life, listeners, I go to Ariel Silk's class, Uh, you know, the... The hoop, the hammock, the silks. I'm nowhere near being good enough to do trapeze. But anyway, and there are days in class where it's just fine. And there are days in class where I struggle and like can't get any height on my climbs. And it's just so hard. And I like had a revelation today that solved 67% of all of my aerial problems. The other 33% are strength related. Don't worry, I'm working on those. But anyway, (laughs) I realized... When I wear slippery workout clothes, you know, like like silk feeling t-shirts and 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 leggings, obviously I just slide right off the darn thing. Obviously. So I have to get more, you know, jersey-esque fabric workout clothes. And hopefully it'll make me a better aerialist. Or wear shorts because my skin is very tacky. I'm a very moist person. (laughs) That's why the Kermit flail works on me so well. (laughs) Yeah, you should just have called it a Kermit flail. (laughs) Listen, but that wasn't the pun I thought of. I thought of of Kermit the flog. (laughs) That is classic. Um, I'm going to say, Megan has sent me some of her aerials videos and it looks super cool they're on my tiktok third child art emily's sister everywhere you care to look (laughs) all right well like i said it's been a it's been an intense 12 hours for both of us yep and neither of us are hiding in a secret engagement from our parents no we are not but you know who is emily (gasps) who megan Isabel. Isabella. Isabella. So, uh, should we talk about Roswell? Let's talk about Roswell. All right, listeners, this is Roswell, the 1999 version, season three, episode four Secrets and Lies. And I just, you guys already know this. But for those of you who might be new, Megan guesses everything. She gets so many things in this episode as we're watching. She would say something and then like two minutes later it would be revealed. Or like the big reveal at the end was exactly what she had guessed. And I'm just like, dang girl. In my defense, uh, this episode takes place on my home turf. And so I'm like, I know what kind of jokes they're going to make here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Do you want to give us a quick summary of the episode before we start? Yes. So, quick summary of the episode is, do you listeners remember in uh, the first episode of season three, Michael is uh, cornered by someone wielding a gun who has his own GED, 
Uh, and it, they, you know, he's told, stop looking for this person. You know, I got a message from Max, that sort of thing. Well, it is revealed in this episode, episode four, that that person was an actor who had been hired by someone to make those threats. And so Max uh, goes to track this person down who happens, they happen to be in L.A. And so they're trying to find, because the actor was killed, uh, the, the person who had been hired to uh, give the warning had been killed in a very otherworldly way. Um, and so they kind of connect all the dots and know that there's another alien out there that they've got to go find. So Max goes to the City of Stars. I don't think that's what they call us. City. Nope, you're right. It's in La La Hollywood, Tinseltown. <laughs> City of Stars. You live there. I do, but... I live in the real L.A., not the tourist L.A. <laughs> got it. Got it. All right. Uh, well, we open up on Joey uh, entertaining a lady friend in his car Joey. by Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering, did they mm-hmm. time this shoot so it coincides with practice at the Dodger Stadium so all the lights are on? Or did they pay themselves to have Dodger Stadium turn the lights on. Ooh, which one? One of I was them would, say, be which one would be more expensive. That's a stupid question. <laughs> and I'm like, well, they already had to travel to film this episode anyway. No, they did it. They already film in, in SoCal. Um, okay, so question. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you know the answer to this because obviously with season three, we were talking about the tonal shift, you know, the change in everything because they're now on a different network. Um, and so a lot of this episode takes place on the Paramount lot. Do you know where the CW, uh, like what lot they're on? Like, um, if they've moved over to the W, wait, no, they're not the WB yet. Right. Oh, so they were Warner Brothers. So they probably were shooting on the Warner Brother lot, and now season three is being shot on the Paramount lot. Probably. Okay. There's just so many to keep track of, and Meg's been to them all. <laughs> yeah, I would have to do. I would have to do some more research. But I'm gonna but quick not Google. Gonna. Where did the CW <laughs> oh. shoot in 2001? All right. And now they're saying where was 2001: A Space Odyssey filmed? I, I know for, like, the Vampire Diaries, that sort of thing, a lot of it was shot in Georgia. But a lot of the shots from season one and two of Roswell are, like, in California. Like, so I don't know. Okay. I mean, here studios we go. can have more than one lot. Filming for the pilot took place in Albuquerque and Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay. Um, the first season filmed in Vegas, New Mexico, and Santa Fe. And wait a second. This is Roswell, New Mexico. Okay. I was surprised that that information was readily available. Not going to lie. All right. Production. Roswell High was originally developed by 20th Century Fox for the Fox Network, but it landed on the WB. The pilot episode was filmed in 12 days with a budget of $2 million. Whoa. Um. No, it just says it was filmed in various locations around California. Uh, and episode one of season three was partially filmed in Utah. They did actually <gasps> go to Utah. They didn't fake it. Ah! 
That's so funny. Oh. 20th Century Fox was able to persuade UPN to pick it up for a third season as a package deal when the UPN outbid the WB for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because this was around the time that Buffy also switched networks as well. I didn't know Buffy switched networks. And during this third season, Roswell aired directly after Buffy, but was unable to hold on to the audience Buffy provided as a lead-in. This eventually resulted in the show's cancellation from UPN as well. Dang it. Which is Buffy. funny because they make a Buffy <laughs> joke in this week's episode. And Emily... That we talked about in the previous episode. <laughs> All right. Um, this, this episode kind of actually plays out more like a police procedural Wait. than... Than a teen. I'm so sorry. Yes, please go. I'm sorry. I'm examining the footage very closely. In the very opening scene where Joey and his friend are in the car, there are people in the Dodger Stadium. So they would be filming it during a game in order to capture the lights. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I bet someone... More obsessed than me could figure out what game was playing and when they filmed this. <laughs> and who won. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Now I'm ready to go to a normal... <laughs> normal, podcast normal podcast conversation. I was going to say that this episode uh, plays out more like a police procedural than anything else. More like a detective show. So it kind of feels like they're still trying to figure out their formula for this episode um but basically after joey is killed he's like flash fried in his car but you know doesn't leave any any there's no scorch marks on the seat like nothing happened to the interior of the car and um they find in the guy's glove box and the detectives aren't wearing gloves and they're just pawing through stuff with their bare hands um they find a license plate number which leads them to Roswell, New Mexico, to where Max Evans is staying. And they're starting to, like, connect the dots and how he knows this guy. And, yeah. I have a logistics issue with this already. Okay. How on earth did the alien who hired Joey know that Joey would be approaching Michael if he only gave him Max's license plate? This is Max's car all the way. And... Joey auditioned with the lines, tell your friend Max to stay away. So the alien spoilers that hired Joey to go talk to Michael knew that Michael would be alone without Max? Yes, Emily? Knew that Max was in jail. Oh. And that is why, isn't it? Um, so that that would be my explanation as to why why that happened. But because Max was arrested and had been in jail and had been charged for, you know, attempting to rob a convenience store and all of this stuff, the police are treating him as a much more solid suspect, a much more sure suspect. Likely uh, suspect. Likely suspect. Uh, we have a new deputy in town who's... Although Emily... Uh, you yes. did point out Max did not attempt. He actually did steal from the convenience store. He took a bag of chips. Yep. Yep. 
<laughs> so technically, even though the charges were dropped, technically he did rob a convenience store at gunpoint. Yeah, rude. And so, you know, the police show up and they're showing Max the photo of this Joey guy. And Max is baffled because he doesn't know who this person is. He's never seen him in his life. But Michael is the one who is connecting the dots for Max. Yep. And Michael is, listen, Michael has so leveled up. Max this season is kind of a garbage character. I'm sorry, but he is. Uh, Michael's the best. And Michael's like, hey. Oh, also shout out to Michael season three hair. Again, beautiful, luxurious. Again. It's great. And Michael's pointing out, I know the dead guy. I know the dead guy. Uh, he's the guy who approached me and wanted us to stop looking for the ship. Mm-hmm. So Max immediately brings this to the one person he's not supposed to talk to, Liz. <laughs> and the staging for this talk with liz is so funny max is like fully inside a tree he's he's standing next to it and it's like two tree trunks that are pretty close together and he's just like pressed so far into the tree it's like he's trying to become one with nature (laughs) but he eventually realizes that he needs to go to california in order to do some more digging uh, and Liz is all set to go with him because she's like, I've been to L.A. before. And he says, I don't think Disneyland counts. You know, it really doesn't because, it doesn't. one, it's in a completely different county. It's not even in Los Angeles County. And it's like a whole 45-minute drive. You have to get on uh, the 134 till it turns to the 210. And then you have to get on to the 605 and then on to the 5. Uh, until you get there. Of course, if you're coming from the other direction, you can just ride the five the whole way if you want to drive through downtown Los Angeles. But the tangle of exits, especially around like 6th and Wilshire, is not worth it. <laughs> Megan lives in California. I do. <laughs> uh, I had to drive. So I live in um, a town that's just north of L.A. And you can actually see the downtown buildings from where I live. And I was supposed to hurry down and meet someone. And it was like... I was getting a late start anyway. I was getting in the car by the time I was supposed to meet them. This was so embarrassing. And I could see L.A. in front of me the whole half hour I was sitting in traffic to get the eight miles I needed to travel. <laughs> it was very frustrating. Driving, I, I think it's very funny that Max doesn't have any traffic. I wish there had been more traffic jokes. There's, there's one bit they threw in about a rude driver, but I'm like... That boy should be sitting on the 405 miserable and alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he he convinces Liz not to go with him. And so she's stuck at school while he's off doing this by himself. And again, Max has come from being the kid who just is behind the tree to the bad boy who doesn't live at home anymore, uh, doesn't go to school if he doesn't have to. Uh, and you know, and then we've got Liz that's stuck in school, quote unquote, stuck in school. Um, and it's kind of roped into this project with, uh, Kyle, not roped into, but they're assigned as partners to, uh, as journalist is to find a story, no matter how uncomfortable the truth is. Like that is a big, a big part of this, this episode is they're given a, a video camera and just kind of told to go out and find a story and Max and Kyle's storyline actually crosses over quite a bit with Max's 
because they realize that whoever killed Joey, they are able to trace that alien because it's an alien that killed him. Okay, let's not beat around the bush. They find out that a very similar death happened uh, while a movie was being filmed in Roswell, New Mexico in the 50s. Yeah. Yes, Megan? Hey. What? First of all. Uh Uh-huh. I thought we knew, like, I feel like the information they're giving us about the grandfather isn't entirely accurate. Like, we saw Sheriff Sharif go to visit him and be like, you were right, Dad, you were right about everything. But apparently the sheriff's Mm -hmm. never gone back again after that. And what happened to the bodies with the silver handprints? Like, if someone was killed with a flash of lightning... That's not the silver handprint death that Sheriff Sharif was obsessed with in season one. That his grandfather, sorry, that his dad was obsessed with in season one. Emily, mm-hmm. I think the silver handprints, I think Cadmium X is just gone from the show. I don't think But it's it was so cool. Back. I don't care. It's never, it's like a runaway train never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, because we, we do end up meeting Grandpa Valenti different actor um you know that lives at the nursing home and yeah it's mentioned that uh the last time that jim valenti went to visit his dad was like september 2000 uh and it circled on the calendar two days before uh uh, crash down day which is september mm -hmm, 26th september 26th um and yeah it was it was a lot of, this episode was a lot of rewriting history. And I don't like the new history that they're writing because uh, Kyle and Liz are trying to find a story to film. And the sheriff, well, he's not the sheriff, sorry. Jim Valenti comes to the high school, <laughs> pulls his son out of class and says, And then, hey, sorry, I'm so sorry. He doesn't pull his son very far out of class at all. (laughs) He takes Kyle to the doorway, fully in view and in earshot of everyone. And listen, Max in the tree and Kyle and the sheriff in the doorway. These are visual blocking decisions. We're like frame within a frame to have them in a doorway like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like the shot reverse shot on Max and Liz. It's like more visually interesting if Max shot has a tree in it and Liz's doesn't. Mm-hmm. But like the logic of the visuals is a little missing. <laughs> Who directed yeah. this episode? Did Jonathan Franks direct this episode? <laughs> Am I slamming if you're, my coworker, if you're... Jonathan Franks? <laughs> but yeah, um, I I really don't like the sheriff's characterization in this. He's not the sheriff. Jim's characterization in this season. Like, we have our bad guy sheriff in season one. And then, you know, he turns the corner, is on their side, is the dad figure of the group. And now he's like the surly teenager, like the young teenager of the group now where he's in a band, which is doing pretty good. And they're, you know, they're decent. They have talent. But there's an issue with his father that he should go take care of. And instead, he just pulls his, tells his son he's got to go do it because Jim can't handle it himself. And not that Jim has anywhere to go or anything to do or 
anything like that. He just, he's just like, emotionally, I can't handle it. So Kyle, you do it. Kyle is doing all the emotional labor for his father. He has the job that is paying the mortgage. He is still going to school. I am like, I hate this new Jim Valenti. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Sorry, I'm watching the credits at the beginning trying to catch the director. I'm still on the special guest stars. Does it say Jonathan Frakes? Because I missed that. I also missed it. It was with, okay, we're in the with Stanley Anderson and John Billingsley. Come on. Jonathan Frakes has to be an aunt. Nope. I didn't see him, but it was behind the producer. Sorry, this isn't very interesting. Me just watching. Oh, no. Who was the director? Who directed this episode? Oh, no. We're having trouble playing this. Hulu kicked me off. Hulu kicked me off. Oh, you're back. Yeah. All my internet kicked me off of everything. Oh. Oh, well. Can you Google it? I don't want to Google any Roswell anything. Yeah, who am I Googling? You are Googling the director of season three, episode four. Oh, okay. Although technically at this point, you and I are the same level of spoilers, so maybe I should Google it. No, I'll Google it. I'll okay. go. Because, yeah. It's, I'm, it's my podcast. My podcast and I have to do the Googling. <laughs> okay. Director Jonathan Frakes. Writer I knew it. Jason... <laughs> writers jason katims okay melinda metz and russell friend okay Jonathan. which jason jason katims he's the Katims. he's the showrunner he's the showrunner yeah you're making you're being very efficient on this episode you're making great time thank you well because spoiler alert everybody it's a to be continued which yeah. megan did call because there was too much information to fit into everything. We were 10 minutes from the end. And I'm like, they're not going to wrap. I'm like, this episode feels too long. The story should be further than it is. Are we close to the end? And we checked and there was 10 minutes left. And I'm like, this is going to be a to be continued. So I called it 75% of the way through the episode. You did. Hold on. I want to see what the name of the... We'll talk about it. But the name of the Max's agent. Because he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's in... um, Most recent thing I saw him in was clips of Glee that showed up on my TikTok for you page. (laughs) Who is Josh Groban? (laughs) I think one of the last things I saw him in, and we'll talk about it, was um, One Day at a Time. Mm -hmm. Which I love. Oh, so, like I said, Kyle is doing all the emotional labor for his father. I hate the new sheriff. I hate the new Jim. Don't like it. Then we talked about the writers. Okay. Max goes to Los Angeles. We've said that to see if he can track down more about this Joey guy. And he crashes Joey's funeral, which is populated almost entirely by women. And I read it as more like how to say this politely but like women of the night like those were his mourners i have something to say oh got it uh maxwell evans is currently the lead suspect in this man's murder he travels to another state to attend this man's funeral that's suspicious Okay, that's like, 
returning to the scene of the crime to gloat, to like take in all the mourning that you yourself has caused. This is such a serial killer thing to do. Serial killer 101. And I cannot believe that there were no police watching this murder when they all believe. No, I guess at this point, the police think it was a freak lightning strike, right? The ones in L.A. do. Yeah. Okay. And it's not like the new eager deputy is following in Hanson's footsteps and following Max <laughs> across state lines. Because I think that's something Hanson would have done when he was deputy. Yeah. Well, I was just waiting for, like, the FBI to show up because, like, isn't it like their jurisdiction is goes across state lines, that sort of thing. And so at this point, we, the audience, don't know that Joey was an actor hired to do hired to warn Max away. And so we're thinking he's a legit involved with the aliens, that sort of thing. And so when Max shows up and he's like off to the side, you know, several people in black kind of come up to him and they're like, who are you? Are you a friend? Are you family? And, you know, Max lies, the worst liar in Roswell lies and says that, oh, he's a distant cousin. And this person that starts talking to him, I'm thinking like, oh, maybe Joey's in the mob. Oh, maybe... There's a there's a cult of people out there who know about aliens and they're trying to see like are you one of us are you not no turns out the person talking to Max was Joey's agent and it's it's a guest star uh the actor's name is Stephen Tobolowski and he's been in so many things and he is a joy to watch the last thing I saw him in was One Day at a Time the Netflix show uh, he just has this great comedic timing he's wonderful and so he's been in tons of stuff you would recognize his face if you saw him and he is Uh, discovering max as an actor and i've got to say that with the buffy reference this storyline has to be a reference to how david borneas the actor for angel was supposedly discovered while and i can't remember if it as he was mowing someone's lawn or if he was walking a dog, but an agent came up to him and it's like, do you have representation? And he was just chosen for being handsome, which (laughs) now that's happening to our Max. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so he, you know, this, this agent is selling Max dreams of, you know, acting. He's like, I can get you this and I can get you this and I can do all this stuff. And yeah, you're a cousin, Joey. He really wasn't a good actor. And that's how we discover that, um, you know, Joey was hired to go and warn off Max of looking into the whole situation. Oh, as they're sitting there eating lunch together, the agent and the, you know, wannabe actor, uh, somebody shows up on the scene being, you know, kind of hounded by paparazzi and Max is just like, I don't know who that is. And, and his agent's just like, it's only the producer. It's only the director in Hollywood. He's like the number one. Like, if you can get in with this guy, basically, you're guaranteed to, like, stardom. You know, that sort of thing. All right. I have something to say about this. Okay. Spoilers. <laughs> this producer guy ends up being the alien. Mm-hmm. Um, Which someone called. I, do you know what? That is so kind of you. I definitely, every time we met a new person in LA, I'm like, they're the alien. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if Nisado and this other shapeshifter were sent down here to protect the Royal Four, and Nisado has had tests on a serial killer road trip for 
20 years. How old are these mm-hmm. kids? 16 years? No, they crashed. 10 years? I don't know. Why on earth was this guy just messing around in Hollywood making movies ever since the Roswell crash? And he just, was he the clapper on that one movie in Roswell and just fell in love with filmmaking? And so he abandoned his duty to the Royal Four to become a film producer? What? And I would love if there was a storyline where Max is like, we have to go home. And this shapeshifter guy is like, hey, I'm a second class citizen back on our planet. I was sent here to be like a guard or a protector. And now I'm a big head honcho and I don't want to give that up. So anyway. Ooh, that would be really interesting. I'd love would the be idea interesting, of like, wouldn't it? Yeah. Exploring the idea of like the socioeconomics of, you know, the planet. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's so much good. Mm, there's so much potential to explore about well, do I want to go back home and be the person that I am supposed to be versus make your own destiny, choose your own adventure sort of a thing. And so, yeah, this, listen, and I feel bad for saying this because I know a television show is made by many, many people and it's not just really any one person's decision on how to do stuff. Like you have to go and get it approved and you have to, you know, make it through the ranks or whatever but like yeah it feels like they're squandering a lot of story potential and re- rewriting story stuff that has been set up since ep- season one and two to like kind of say like well this is the alien story we want to tell no just go make a new alien television show if that's the case uh, i will say in my my cursory light googling trying to figure out filming timelines and stuff um, mm-hmm. That apparently the heavier, more sci-fi episodes did poorly compared to the teenage relationship-driven episodes. Hmm, interesting. Um, which is like one of the visible dips that they could see in the season two ratings that led them to putting the series up for sale. Which, which is I, so funny. I want more aliens. I want more sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. What's I was say, those are some of my favorite episodes. Or like the. The alien heavy centric ones, yeah. So. You know what? They should have listen. The reason why Buffy beat out Roswell is Buffy does a very good job of making the monster of the week a metaphor for a high school trouble of the week, mm-hmm. and it connects the two. And I think you and I have talked about this that in Roswell, it's either a sci-fi episode or a teenagers episode, and very rarely the two do mix. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this this series could have benefited from a greater cross-pollination between my life as a teenage human and my life as a teenage alien. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. All right. Um, Meg, you'll have to correct me if I'm if I'm misspeaking on this one. Um, they kind of make the connection that the death that happened on the movie set in Roswell in the 50s was kind of the same thing as the one that's going on in, uh, that happened to Joey. I can't exactly remember how they figured out it was the clapper. Basically, the clapper is the person oh, that, Oh, I can know. tell you. I can tell okay. you. It's okay. because Liz and Kyle. Oh, yeah. Did we talk about, like, Liz and Kyle's uh, group project they're supposed to do? They're supposed to yeah. find out the truth about something with these gigantic film cameras. And I'm thinking about how awful this day in class is going to be watching everyone's taping. Because 
they didn't have editing software. You would just watch basically every single thing these teenagers taped, unless they thought to like rewind and record over their like boring dead space. But every once in a while, they'll cut to the point of view of what the teenagers are doing with the camera. And they're just swinging it around all over. And like, we have home videos from when we were little, when our dad had a film camera. Mm-hmm. And um, our dad was pretty good at filming home videos. <laughs> He say, was. He was good at, at keeping track of the interesting and important parts. <laughs> Although, listen, I'm so vain that any time I was on screen, that's what counted as the interesting and important part. <laughs> Emily, have we ever digitized those? I don't think so. Well, while you're home this weekend, <laughs> could you maybe do a cursory search for at least the VHS tapes? Yeah, yeah, okay. I can do that. Anyway, anyway, I had a point. Yes, it's Liz and Max filming. Nope, Liz and Kyle filming things. And uh, they're digging. They got to get the truth about something. And it starts off being an expose about the nursing home, which they pay $1,200 a month for, which means Kyle is now paying that as well on top mm-hmm. of the mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> Justice for Kyle. When's Kyle's time? Listen, it's always Kyle's time to shine. Um. Yeah. But they find a woman who was a makeup artist on this show back in the 50s. And they take Mm -hmm. her to the Crashdown Cafe and they're asking her questions. And she is the one who, why was it, why did she point out the clapper to them? I don't remember. Oh, no. They asked, did the, they, they asked if Sheriff's dad had any suspects at the time and sheriff's dad was convinced it was the clapper and Mm -hmm. there Liz is talking to max on the phone later and max's storyline in la is he has um been working together with joey's girlfriend kind of retracing joey's last steps and finding out where things were happening what was going on and Mm -hmm. max is like what's a clapper and i'm like it's the person who holds the slate and and they're like oh it's the guy at the beginning who says take one or take two and then max is like well where do we get footage of the clapper and i'm like he's on all the footage he's on every take in the raw footage and liz is like he'd be in all the dailies and max is like what's the dailies and i start explaining it along with the <laughs> anyway it's very funny emily's very patient with me but i'm like i know this is movies i know this <laughs> She's like, oh, this is where this is. Oh, I've driven you past this place before. Ah, So that was fun to, to have it set in L.A. Max, it's a good thing he's in L.A. because he can go take a look at the dailies because whatever company filmed uh, the, the movie in the 50s was bought by Paramount. And so the dailies are going to be in the Paramount vault. And as we're watching it and Max is walking to the vault, Meg, you were just like, I've been there. I've walked past that before. <laughs> So Max goes to the Paramount lot, and I've been to the Paramount lot three times, uh, once for an interview, once for lunch with a friend, and once for a nice screening of the animated movie that I was working on with uh, my current job. Yes, Emily? Was that the time that you locked yourself out of the car? No, that was at Nickelodeon. Okay. (laughs) When I locked myself out of a car, but I knew how to break into a car if I had my shoelaces. However, I was wearing shoelaceless shoes that day, so I had to contact the executive I had just pitched to, ask if I could borrow his shoelaces. Don't worry if you can't. It's not a big deal because he was the only person I knew on the lot at that time. And he's like, "Um, I'm in a meeting. 
why do you need my shoelaces? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I stole I them up, from the president. I ended up getting help from the security guard. But my, yeah, my old car, you could break into it if you had a pair of shoelaces and could tie a loop in the middle. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, that executive, a couple years later, we were talking and he's like, there's a funny story that you remind me about sometimes. And I can never remember what it is. And I'm like, so if I don't tell you, you'll forget. He's like, but I want to know. And I'm like, I had to beg you for your shoelaces and you were in a meeting. And he goes, oh, yeah, he's very cool. He's actually the friend I went to go have lunch with on Paramount. So this is all connected. Anyway, uh, no, a different embarrassing car story. That day where I was going to watch a screening of the the film I was working on, um, Nathan Greno, who was one of the directors of Tangled, was working at the studio with us at the time. And after the screening, I wanted to go back to work. And he's like, hey, can I get a ride back to, you know, our studio space? And I was like, I don't have any air conditioning in my car. And this was like, midsummer in LA. I'm like, I don't have any air conditioning in my car. And also one of my cylinders is out. So we can't go fast and we have to have the windows rolled down. And he's like, is that a no? I'm like, no, I'll drive you, Nathan. It's just my car's a mess. Don't judge me for it. But he was nice about it. So there you go. I drove the director of Tangled through downtown Hollywood, exactly where Max was driving uh, with the windows down. So you could get that exhaust yep. LA smell. Ugh. <laughs> Treasured memories. So yeah, you guys, you never grow out of embarrassing yourselves in front of fancy people. I just want you to know it will keep happening. <laughs> it will keep happening. Uh, well, Max ends up breaking into the vault and finding the dailies and realizing that the the clapper is the big executive fancy movie time producer that um you know, he saw with his, oh, Meg, we forgot how to, t- we forgot to say how, how he gets jump? onto how the lot. How did you jump all the way? Hey, let's jump back to when my coworker <laughs> makes an appearance. <laughs> I'm so mad we didn't talk about that. So I'm Max sorry. needs to get on the Paramount lot and he asks um, his agent to get him an audition. And he's looking at, this is back in the day when, um, agents would get flyers or pieces of paper describing different auditions. And Max is like, I want this one. I need to get on the lot today. And Emily, what is it an audition for? It's an audition for a part in Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. And the agent says, oh, I can do that. I'm friends with the director of this episode. And I'm like, it's Jonathan Frakes. It's got to be Jonathan It has Frakes. to be Jonathan Fame Frakes. Star Trek director. And who now we have found out also directed this episode of Roswell. So uh, Max goes in to read for Mr. Frakes and um, someone else who was one of the, I want to say one of the actors from Enterprise. He played the doctor. The alien doctor. Yeah. yeah. Um, Flocks? Dr. Flocks or something like that? (laughs) Don't come at me if it's wrong. I apologize. Um, So Emily and I started watching this scene of Max's audition, reading his sides. Um, For you non-Hollywood people... That's what you call the script pages you read in an audition because it's not the whole script. It's just the the size of the character that you're reading. Anyway, and Max is being bad on purpose. Not Listen, the actor who plays Max is doing bad on purpose because Max himself is not an actor. Yeah. And Emily goes, I'm watching it on mute. And I go, I'm watching it on 
love you too. Because <laughs> it's so bad. It was bad. just embarrassing. It was bad with like his face down in the pages and really mumbling. And then um, Jonathan Frakes has this great where he's like, listen, this character is an alien. And right now I'm not really Far from feeling home. <laughs> like you're an alien. <laughs> um, Yeah. But he, he, you know, they finish the, they finish the episode or they finish the audition and he goes out to talk to his agent and the agent's like, eh, if you didn't get it, there's always Buffy, which Megan and I both were like, oh, we just talked about this. Because Emily, what real rehash, because maybe people are listening to this episode for their very first Roswell cover. There we go. Uh, I was watching Buffy the other day and... The actor who plays Max Evans is a guest star on Buffy, and uh, it's a really good episode. Buffy season two, episode seven. Lie to me. Lie to me. I just found it hilarious that, like, I literally saw that episode last week, and now we're doing this. And now we know. And now we know that. What's his butt? Help me out. Now we know that this show airs after Buffy as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so that is when Max goes and breaks into the vault, finds the dailies, realizes who this is. The alien shows up himself and throws Max against the wall. So he's unconscious and he burns the dailies. Like he does not want any trace of himself out in the world. And that's when it's like to be continued. Oh. Wait, are there is there an important speech he makes or anything? They'll probably rehash it at the start of the next episode. He's like, Joey wasn't a very good actor. God, I think that was probably it. But no, I, I'm sure we're going to get more about his um, his life and goals in the next episode. Oh, Meg, you got to tell us about the casual use of alien powers and how uh, you can use it. <laughs> okay, so... Max is unspooling this reel of film, and he wants to see it on the wall. And I'm like, obviously, you project it through your hand. But the thing is, is he's projecting it, and the whole rest of the reel is in front of him? So, like, the whole reel would be blocking the film he's shining. If if he had the reel pointed the other way, and his hand were in front of it, then I would buy that his magical powers were real. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. fine. That was like the only use of, oh, that was like the only use of alien powers this episode. But Emily, can we talk about what Isabel's storyline was? Yeah. Yeah. It was red flags. It was just red flags. Start to finish. Um, Her boyfriend is trying to tell her, sorry, her fiance is like, why aren't you wearing the ring I got you? And she's like, uh, then everyone would know we're engaged. And he's like, we are engaged. And she's like, I don't want anybody to know. I'm like, that's a red flag. And then he's like, really not, not pushing her, but he's like, you should tell your parents. You should tell your parents. You should tell your parents. And I'm like, listen, sense of sensibility. Uh, didn't that one guy hide his engagement to Miss Lucy Steele for like eight years? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this guy can't even last a week. Anyway. Anytime Isabel tries to talk to her parents, they only are talking about Max and they're worried about Max. And it's very sad to watch that anytime she was like, Mom, I have something to talk to you about. And she's like, is it Max? Does he need money? And Isabel's like, no, 
It's not Max. Like, this mom is so distraught about her son, like, basically just storming out and living on the street. I mean, as a good mother, car, you know, yeah. should. In his car, yeah. But, like, anytime Isabel's on the phone and she, like, hangs up, she's like, was it Max? You can't, you know, please don't lie to me. But, yeah, the entire episode, you're right, Megan, is, is just, Isabel's right in front of you guys. But all they want to know is where is Max? How is he doing? Yeah. You know, and the mom, like, the mom will go to her wallet and, like, pull out money, give it to Isabel because she knows that Isabel at least is in contact with him. Yeah. And not only that, but, like, they don't believe her when she tells them about Max. Where, mm-hmm. like, just this this scene with the money in the wallet, is that Max? Does he need money? No, it's not Max. He doesn't need money. Uh, are you sure you weren't talking to Max? No, it wasn't him. Here, take this money, give it to Max. And it's um, parents being so centralized in their own anxiety that they're not listening to what their children say to them. Mm-hmm. And they can't break mm-hmm. out of that anxiety cycle. That's really good, Megan. Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> well, hi, <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Isabel finally, listen, Jesse, she is clearly uncomfortable with telling people about it. You guys are clearly moving too fast. Her parents don't even know you are dating. You should have told the parents you are dating and waited to tell them you were engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, and something I was furious about is... They cut away after at dinner when Isabel finally gets it out. They cut away and we don't see the parents' reaction. Yeah. And hopefully, yeah. like, I'm sure we're going to go to it more in part two, but like, why would you leave? Yeah, there's, it's like a stunned silence and then bam, we're done. Yep. Yep. Well, speaking of bam, we're done. I think that's this episode. I think that's this episode. We did pretty good. We did. Uh, Megan, the next episode, this will be Roswell season three, episode five. The title is Control. Oh, no. Okay. So in Isabel's story, this is going to be about her parents trying to forbid her from seeing Jesse and trying to control her life in a way that they are unable to control Max's. Mm-hmm. And Max is going to get puppeteered around by the creepy other shapeshifter alien. But then Max is going to win the day and he's going to be the one in control by the end of the episode. And I'm oh, sure Liz's like dad that. is going to try and control her, too. It's so interesting that, like, so many of our main characters are having the same issue with trying to be controlled. Or someone trying to control them. Um Hopefully, and Sheriff Sharif pulls his head out of his butt and is a better dad and a better son. Hopefully. He does go back and visit his dad, though. He does. Yeah. They're mending the rift. Yep. But... A rift that, again, I thought we had already mended <laughs> in season one. The rift is news uh, to me. So. Well, Megan, thank you for letting me make you view this. I'm really still having a good time. Let's keep going. All right. Uh, folks, we are going to take a quick break and we're going to go watch the next one. And because we are, listen, our Way of Kings podcast, we have months. 
of episodes we in the backlog. We have so many episodes ahead that Emily can post the episodes out of order and it doesn't even matter. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Time for a tangent. So, every once in a while in the Way of Kings books, there will be a break and there will be interlude chapters. Mm-hmm. and That are named the interlude chapters. It's not like, oh, chapters 12, 13, 14. It's like, no, you have chapter 14, a bunch of interludes, and then chapter 15. Yeah. So um, our last Way of Kings episode ended at chapter 75. And then the next Way of Kings episode that Emily posted and sent to me to review, I will say, uh, started with chapter 76. And I'm like, this sounds right. This sounds reasonable to me. Because um, we had recorded, like we're doing today, a bunch of Roswells. We had recorded like four Way of Kings episodes in one day. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I know the interludes are coming up soon, but I didn't check. And I was like, yeah, episode sounds good. And someone in our Discord was like, where's the interlude episode? And I'm like, where is the interlude episode? And uh, Emily missed it because I sent them to her in a numbered list. I sent them to her in a numbered list and she skipped she part did. five. So I, we're on the phone today while I'm coming home from Ariel's class to get ready for this. And Emily's like, it's just such a shame that we messed up. And I was like, we? I gave them to you in a number of <laughs> Oh, it was because, yeah, they had messaged. They're just like, um, did you guys skip the interludes? And immediately I'm just like, oh, they must have misunderstood some line that we said in the episode where like. Where we said we were we in been- part five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I texted Megan like kind of like, ha, 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 ha. We didn't skip this. This person did we? thinks we skipped the interludes. What a <laughs> moron! <laughs> and then it comes back and is like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so apologies, everyone. Apologies. We fixed it at this point. So sorrows, sorrows, prayers. <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, you're wonderful. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we can't wait to see. We'll see you back in a couple of weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to go watch the next Roswell episode. I'm going to run my dishes to the kitchen first to try and establish good habits, and then I'll watch the next Roswell episode. Well, Megan, I believe in you. You know what? My faith in you is a little shaken. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I believe in you. (laughs) It's warranted. Ready. Ready. Break. to everyone who has tuned in and listened to this week's episode of My Sister Made Me View It, the Roswell 1999 edition. I obviously have to apologize for it being up late, uh, like a week late almost. Uh, The reason is dumb. It's that I put in my two weeks notice at my job and now time has no meaning to me and that's what happened. I completely forgot to put it up. I'm going to be setting reminders on my phone for all the other future episodes so that this will not happen again. My sincere apologies to you all. But uh, to make up for it, if you are a member of our Discord, you actually can go and see pictures of, drumroll please, me in Salina, Utah, which is the city where Liz and Max 
tried to rob the convenience store. By mere random coincidence, my family drove through Salina, Utah last week, and I made them stop so I could take pictures. I took pictures of, you know, their right in front of like their city hall sort of a thing. I did try to find the local police precinct, uh, found it on Google Maps, went to go look for it, and there was nothing there but an empty field. I just don't know what they do with criminals in that town. Maybe it's so small. Maybe Liz and Max are the first criminals they've ever had. I don't even know. Anyways, uh, like I said, we do have a Discord. It's currently for close friends and family, I guess. We're working on expanding it. We're working on trying to figure out a Patreon, that sort of thing. And I believe like our lowest tier will be you get access to the Discord. So if you get to do that, you can have access to uh, channels about the Roswell series, about our Way of Kings series, and our Miscellaneous series, which currently has all the episodes for Our Flag Means Death. Megan and I are currently working on One to Watch by Kate Stamen London, which is a book that will also go on our miscellaneous feed. Uh, for all of our podcasts, we use the same song for all of them, which is the song by Michael Biancardi, A Passing Storm. Thank you so much for letting us use that. We really appreciate it. Just thank you for everyone who has come by and has given us a rating and review. Just so you know, every time you rate and review us, it bumps us up higher on the list on you know iTunes, that sort of thing. And so the higher you bump us up, the more people see it and, you know, we just get to have more people listen to it and have more fun together. So thank you for everyone who has done that. That is one way you can definitely support this podcast. And we super appreciate everyone who has done that. A little sneaky, sneaky peek. Uh, I'm going to go hang out with Megan in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to hopefully maybe even finish recording Roswell, the 1999 version. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, Megan has a full-time job, which I do not. And so I am not going to bug her too much about hanging out and doing podcast stuff instead of working her real cool job. But um, in the meantime, we just hope you guys all have a great day. We love you so much. We really appreciate your support. We're so glad you listen. We're so glad you like it. And just remember, we believe in you.